Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Welcome. Welcome everyone to episode 131 of the Retire with Confidence podcast. My name is Nick Hopwood. And I'm Jim Pilot. And today we're talking about the death of the balanced portfolio. It's just a good headline. Yeah, it sounds scary. It is kind of scary. (laughs) But it makes me wonder, like, what do you mean? What's wrong with a balanced portfolio? I love my balanced risk. Yeah, my my right in the middle, 60-40. Yeah. There's a lot of comfort around that, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people fall into that middle risk zone, Mm -hmm. right? We take the Riskalyze quiz. They just, it's like a magnet for Mm -hmm. a lot of people, especially... You know, if you're leading up to retirement or newly retired, a lot of people find themselves in that area. Mm-hmm. And it's been good, you know. I mean, basically, for my entire career, uh, the 40% allocation to bonds, mm-hmm. you know, rates have been going down, down, down over right. the last 20 plus years for longer than that. And so uh, that, by definition, has been good. When rates go down, the price of bonds go up. Mm-hmm. So you had this kind of wind at your back on the fixed income, mm-hmm. right? So 40% in fixed income, not only did it provide a good return, but it it's your life preserver, right? Right. It keeps your head above water when, when the storm comes in. Right, when the bad markets creep in, it doesn't, you don't feel the full effect of the downturn. Yeah, and you know, the 60% of equities, uh, the last, you know, since 2009, we've had a couple 20% bear market Drawdowns, but you know, if you look at the returns since '09, it's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny because we just had a meeting with someone who is in their early 30s, you know, and they they've had they've never had a, they yeah. had. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't want to say they've never had a bad market, but as of today, their backwards-looking returns yeah. are great. In <clears throat> any bad market they've had is pretty short-lived. That's that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. We've had some bad times, but it always has come back quick. Yeah. So with that said, you know, if you're, if that's all you know, right, and you're not necessarily, maybe you could be a student of history, but you've never actually felt that pain. Right. Right. It makes you think that it's just going to keep going. Yeah. 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 Unless you, until you're, you're there watching your portfolio get, go decrease in value day after day, mm-hmm. it's hard to, to know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. So looking backwards, right, the balanced portfolio has been great, mm-hmm. right? So why would we, why would we call it the death of the balanced portfolio? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Teach me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it is is dependent on the interest rate environment that we're in okay. and, and, and the forward-looking prospects right. of it. We were talking just now about the backward-looking, mm-hmm. right? So let's flip it around. Interest rates, right? Right. We've already talked about when interest rates uh, go down, the value of the bond goes up, right? Interest rates have been low for a really long time. We're starting to see signs of inflation creeping in. We're starting to see signs that uh, maybe the Fed can't continue to, to buy up the, the bonds like they had been doing for all these years. So uh, all of these things could lead to the price of the bonds starting to go up, which would in turn make the value of the Interest bond rates go down. going up. Price of the bonds go down. Yep. Okay. So that's bad. 
That's bad for a fixed income investor. Yeah. But we can also look at the current yield, mm-hmm. right? Like the 10 year is like 1.3, 1.4. Mm-hmm. That is your return over the next 10 years. It, it can go up and down. Right. The price of the bond can go up and down over those 10 years. But we know if it yields 1.4, right. then that's going to be our total 10 year return. Right. If the value goes up and down, the rate adjusts accordingly. So at yeah. the end of that 10 year period, that's, that's what right. you're going to get. Yeah. That's right. And so, you know, that, if you have 40% of your money in something that's paying one point something, mm-hmm. you can start kind of <laughs> doing the math and realize, Ugh. Yeah, if you're hoping for an 8% return and 40% of your portfolio is only getting you one, 1.4. Yeah, I'm thinking, I mean, like, why can't we <laughs> talk about double digits? Okay, backward looking, mm-hmm. different than forward looking, mm-hmm. okay? So if 40% of the portfolio is making one point something, we have some work to do. Right. To get You're to, leaning pretty heavy on the other 60%. Right. So let's talk about that. <laughs> so if we have 60% of the money in stocks, mm-hmm. right, what is a reasonable expectation going forward? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. This is even hard. Like the 40% is super simple. We can, yeah. just, we can just look at the yield and know. Right. That's what the expected return is. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, his, what, if you look historically over the the, the S and P over the history of the stock market, eight nine percent is about as as good as you could hope for, right? So okay, so that's the hundred year average. That's the big or, yeah, that's the yeah. big long range number. Okay, yeah. so over the next ten years, right? We just talked about, at length about the last ten years. Well, right. What about the next ten years? So right. what has me a little on edge is the current PE ratios, right? right? Price of the stock divided by the company's earnings. Right, and the reason we said that things were great, you know, have relatively been very good since 2009 is we came out of a period where 2009 PE ratios were extremely low. Valuations mm-hmm. were extremely low, right? Over time, they've, they've gone up, but earnings have gone up as well, so earnings, it's been okay. Earnings have gone up dramatically. Yeah. But if you look at the returns of the stock, the returns have been even better than the earnings growth yeah. because we had multiple expansion. Right. So that just making up simple numbers, if you have a PE ratio of 10 and then the PE ratio goes to 20, the underlying stock doesn't have to have any earnings growth and that you'd have a 100% return on your money. Right. right? The money's doubled just because people are willing to pay more for that level of earnings. Mm-hmm. Okay? And in a bull market, we'll often have multiple expansion. We've had earnings growth and multiple expansion, mm-hmm. and now here we are with a PE ratio like in the nosebleed territory. Right. And we're thinking, well, we really can't have any more multiple expansion, can we? I mean, we're kind of at the edge. It starts getting pretty overextended, right? Yeah. I mean, it can go up for sure, but we really need to see it supported by earnings growth. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we can always be overbought, right? Mm-hmm. You can be just, you just get to be more overbought. Mm-hmm. And it, but at some point, it becomes a problem. I'm not saying that we're at a problem today, but the PE ratio is extremely high. Mm-hmm. We need tremendous earnings growth to justify that price. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we have been get, getting good earnings. But, right, the, the, the prices keep going up. So mm-hmm. we have to have like some sort of correction on the price or explosion on the earnings to get the ratio back in line. 
Mm -hmm. And sadly, when we see PEs at this level, history is not, not good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so history tells us, according to the Bank of America report, that the returns could be zero or negative mm -hmm. over the next 10 years because you're starting from such a high price. Right. And this would be, you know, think March of 2000, right? Mm -hmm. The PE ratio was off the charts and the next 10 year returns were zero. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now from 09 to now, right? The PE ratios were starting at bargain basement prices. Mm -hmm. And so we've had above average returns, Right. okay? And so you go through these cycles where you have above average returns and below average returns and it all averages out to this eight point whatever, 9% mm -hmm. over the long run. But uh, where we are today, I don't think that we can count on a repeat of the last 10 years. That's my crystal ball. And this is not a recommendation for anyone mm -hmm. or advice for you specifically with your portfolio. This is just a general educational discussion. Mm -hmm. And when we put this balanced portfolio together, which would be 60% equity, 40% fixed income with these, you know, measurements, mm -hmm. the returns would be low. Yeah. Okay. Now on the stock market side, we don't just buy, right, the S&P 500. We want to be more diversified within stocks. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, the PE ratios other places in the world are not as high. Yeah. You know, like Europe, Australia, Far East, uh, emerging markets. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point to bring up, right? And this is why we talk about diversification because it's been really easy the last several years to get lulled into thinking all you need is the S&P, right? The S&P is, is, is the place to be. It's the leader of the world, I don't right? Know anything else, yeah. Yeah, but that's where we're seeing the issues, yeah. right? Like you said, internationally, doesn't look as bad, right? Emerging markets, a lot of growth opportunities, right? You know, mid caps, small caps. There's a lot of places that we want to be and the reasons why we diversify. Same thing could be said on the fixed income side, right? Mm -hmm. We just gave the example of the treasuries. Mm -hmm. Well, we can also take credit risk. We can also use alternative investments. You know, not every asset class within fixed income provides the same level of diversification. Mm -hmm. right? the, by that, we mean they don't have that negative correlation to the S&P. They could have low correlation, but not negative. Mm -hmm. So they're a good diversifier, not the best. Right. But you trade that off with a higher expected return. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you say, well, on this 40%, maybe I can raise my expected return. If I diversify within the fixed income to take on some credit risk, mm -hmm. maybe that's something worth discussing. We've done that before on the podcast. Yep. And it's, it's worked out great since we've really started buying into that. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense is looking for other ways to uh, to still achieve those returns without sacrificing, you know, the, the amount of risk that you're taking on and so yeah. forth. Yeah. In fact, when we were, we were playing last week with some of these models with uh, within Riskalyze, I was very pleasantly surprised if you change out some of the fixed income, the, the risk number kind of stayed the same. Mm. Right. So that was uh, uh, it's just one one measurement that we use. Yeah. But I don't think that you're really taking on too much more risk by adding in some of these diversifiers. Mm -hmm. So for instance, let's take 
stocks, bonds, commodities. Oftentimes commodities are used as a diversifier. Mm -hmm. This is not a recommendation, but let's say this particular investment has a, ri a risk score of 50, and this one has a risk score of 50, right? Maybe stocks and commodities. Mm -hmm. Well, they behave differently in different environments, mm -hmm. dramatically, okay? Now, you put these two scores together, and you know what? Your score doesn't stay 50. Your score goes down mm -hmm. because they're low correlated to each other, right. which is a very interesting takeaway, yeah. right? Just kind of giving you some nuts and bolts as to how diversification really works. Yeah, and I think that's good though that you did that because I think when people hear the first part of this, like 60-40, the death of the 60-40, they say, okay, well, what do we do? We gotta get out of everything, right? <laughs> and that's not the answer, right? It's not, we gotta sell, sit in cash, and wait for the storm to pass. It's we need to make sure we're diversified, make sure we're reviewing our plan, looking to see if there's other alternatives that would we could add in that would really complement and help achieve the goals that we're trying to, to achieve. And let me also add, People have been talking about the death of the 60-40 for years. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In fact, I wrote an article in 2017 yeah. on this topic. Yeah. Right? And here we are, four <laughs> years later with great returns. Yeah. So That's a good point. So you just, you could be wrong. You have to understand I could be wrong. Right. It's so easy to hear something in the news about inflation or hear something, you know, whatever other scary term is out there, right? And have a knee-jerk reaction and say, we got we to gotta make this bold change. And that rarely is, is beneficial. Yeah. We always make changes on the margin. Yeah. Always marginal, one step at a time. Incremental. Yeah, that's, right? that's the way to do it. Yep. Well, if you have a balanced portfolio and you are concerned about its death, <laughs> we, can, <laughs> we can offer you a second opinion, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, where, can they, where can they get this second opinion? <laughs> you can go to peakwm.com. Uh, to find us, you can schedule there. Um, you can even find uh, some of our risk tools, right? Where you can go yeah. in and take a risk quiz and figure out just how comfortable you really are at the moment. And we can compare that to your portfolio and Great idea. it can be a good, uh, a good tool for people to, uh, to start making sure they understand if they're where they want to be. Great idea. Love it. Okay. We'll see you next time. Thanks for stopping by. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast, sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.